Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer, thanks for joining me. And on tonight's program, I've got June Bailu of Trebekah Rauthal Plus, and I want to know whether she thinks this rebound of the market is a sign of things to come. Is it a sneak preview of what will happen when inflation really is on the way down and interest rate rises have stopped? And then I talk to Anne Flaherty, the uh, economist from REA Group, and I see where she thinks house prices are falling. I suspect she's not as negative as some of the big scary stories we've seen out there in the press recently. And then Michelle May, uh, a buyer's agent, and we'll talk about her, what's, going, what's she seeing at the coalface? You know, are house prices really falling as rapidly as you might think? Uh, what are the, where are the p- best places to buy at the right uh, at, at the moment? These are the sort of things I'll be talking to Michelle May about. So let's kick off now with my interview with Ajunbe Lu of Tribeca Alpha Plus. Well, joining us now is Junbe Lu of Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund. Great to see you, Junbe Lu. Great to see you, Peter. Thank you for having me. And it's always better to see you when the market's been rising nice and strongly. Um, why don't you explain to people why there's been a market sentiment turnaround. I know a lot of people were very nervous over the last two weeks, but this week the sentiment has changed. Why has it changed? Look, absolutely. First of all, I feel, Peter, every time we talk, it's it's an up market, that the bull market is setting right in. So we always talk about the optimistic story. Uh, Look, absolutely. So last couple of weeks, um, you know, people obviously worry about the pounds, worry about dislocation, about um, the, you know, anti-recession around the world that's playing out. um, And the currency might be melting down. So that was a lot of worry. And the investors essentially just selling and going back into cash and trying to stay uh, in some of the estate haven which is pretty much just cash now the sentiment turnaround really was first marked by uk central bank uh, stepping in now started buying bonds um you know so that is the first pivoting everyone's talking about if uk can start supporting um, the, their, uh, their currency and at the same time providing liquidity, uh, providing more free cash flow that's needed by that economy, then surely Fed is not far away. And straight after, a few days later, our RBA, which, um, you know, they just came out and then they've only put up the rate of 25 basis points, not 50 as expected. Now, that again, uh, reinforced investors' belief that, you know what, maybe we're at the very close of the interest rate increase um, cycle. Um, um, if anything, maybe at some point we'll have the interest rate uh, falling, uh, maybe within the next 12 months. Um, now, so that has really put a rocket under the share market. It's very bullish for equity market. Um, but unfortunately, the next one we saw was New Zealand Central Bank. They still put 50 instead of 25. So, um, you know, maybe there's still a little bit longer, a few more months to play out for the Fed to start talking more dovishly. Um, but it's just, it's pretty important um, sort of, points where, you know, for equity investors, this is actually looking uh, reasonably bullish for uh, for equities where, you know, valuation uh, D-rate is pretty much done. Yeah. I see this rebound, and we've talked about this before, uh, this rebound is a sneak preview of what will happen when the market believes the interest rate cycle, rising cycle is over and inflation is coming down. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, I, I think it's uh, uh, people keep talking about this rally as bear market rally, bear market rally. Um, look, the market rally almost five percent, and uh, yeah, we were down last month, but we were very strong in July and August. So you know, we are actually started seeing um, that early indication of um, more investors, institutional investors, now going back into the market, um, buying uh, quality companies. Hmm. And now, to me. The next two um, data drops in the US are going to be important as either a reinforcer of this rebound or a, it might challenge the rebound, namely the jobs number on Friday night and then the US CPI uh, on October 13, next, next week. Um, do you see them as really important uh, data drops? Look, I think it will affect the sentiment. So right now, market recovery is still a little bit fragile. Um, you know, we even though we saw, you know, this bullish buying, that's pretty much after a severe, a savage sell-off. So, you know, we see that early rebound. Um, these data points, uh, you know, if it's, a, it's, if it's good, um, better than expected, then it's not great for the equity market because they're kind of hoping the data will be weak. So bad news is good news at this point or good news is bad news. So, you know, at this point, they want to see more weakness in the data. So that means interest rates not going higher. But what I'm saying is that we are so close to that pivoting point, that turning point um, in where the interest rate or expected interest rate increase will go to. Um, so, you know, everyone's expecting them to put up uh, this amount of interest rate. So um, any future data um, that is any slightly um, sort of, um, you know, better than expected, you will see a massive rally. Um, and uh, and it just goes to show that, you know, that it's, we just been oversold, uh, many mm. sectors in the oversold territory. Okay, so talk to me about the companies that you've been adding to your fund and why you've done it. Look, I love, I'm one of those investors that love to take a longer term view and sell off like this. I get very excited. <laughs> Every morning I wake up, what do I buy today? Um, yeah. So, you know, one of the few things you go through, you, first you go through what's been oversold in the last, you know, since beginning of September um, and the and then you go through every one of them and then one of the name popped up is first of all is dominoes you know we know dominoes going through some tough times things will grow a little bit slower but this is a structural growth companies um you don't buy it for tomorrow's earning you buy it for the next five years earning and we know once they go past the current tough patch you know high costs and um and then slower european sales um this company is trading on it's cheaper cheapest it's ever been in the last five years so uh, for me this is something i added to my portfolio um another name is kind of um, being impacted um, because of some M&A issue, which is Ramsey. It's a, again, a, a one of the worst underperformer, worst performer uh, in September um, because of the KKR walked away. Share price now has fallen below um, when KKR came through with a bid. And this is a private hospital infrastructure like asset, strong balance sheet um, and with a reopening sort of earning to come. Um, and uh, it's at this point of the, at this share price, um, you know, you're risk reward is uh, is you know is very much skewed to the upside so you know these are the names we're constantly scaring and uh, you, you you yeah we'll just add them to the portfolio yeah okay let's go back to your first one um, and let's just work through the um, from my point of view dominoes whenever it gets sold off excessively historically for me it's been a great time to buy because invariably in the not too distant future Don May would come out with a, a better than expected um, you know, um, result and the, and the price would just take off like nobody's business. Is there anything structurally different with the company that might make me think, well, maybe this time it won't happen? 
No, not at all. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I always have this mark for buying Domino. Is don't even worry about the next year's uh, earnings. Uh, it's a six dollars. Uh, so sorry, sixty dollars. Mm. When share price gets close to sixty dollars, you just buy it. Mm. <laughs> um, and yes, we know there's one more downgrade to come through. Uh, it's well anticipated, but share price fell well under sixty dollars, um, and there's nothing structural changed. Um, if anything, they bought more region more recently, um, and um, you know, long-term growth rate is still you know very much intact. Um, and you know, and to me, it's um, it's 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 pretty clear cut. Okay, let's go to Ramsey now, and and you you make the point that you know this was a, a a company that KKR believed was worth offering uh, one amount, and it's now dropped below that amount. So, yeah, was KKR on drugs when they decided that there was good value in Ramsey? They obviously thought the share price had to rise in the future. Um, of course, they probably think they would do something to make it rise, but we know often they don't do very much at all. It was just an opportunistic buy at a time when the market was down. That's right. So the share price were trading at $70 or $72 um, before KKR came through with a bid for $88 for this company. Yeah. Now, um, uh, since then, and that was probably six months ago. That was six months ago. Um, and uh, since then, what's really changed is look, the borrowing, the debt has gone a little bit higher. Um, and also, there were some issues with the um, the the, um, the French division for um, for uh, for Ramsey. Um, it was difficult to get access to uh, due diligence and things. So. KKR tried to lower the bid by somewhat something add up to about $83 um, and um, and then the, finally they couldn't sort of add up to the to the difference um, and then they walked away and now share price is below um, actually it went close to 60 and um, you know actually below 60 at one point um, so you know this is the business that will generate so much return. Its earning is depressed. You can't look at the current year's earning or even next year's earning because private hospital is still waiting for um, you know people getting back to the hospital and and the waiting list now at the public hospital is something like two and a half years. Um, mm. You know we know those elective surgeries will need to be performed. It just means people have to wait longer. Um, so eventually um, we will have that um, we will have those people returning. And then we already heard from many um, you know uh, many banks. And, um, and NHF that, you know, somewhat um, in the future indication is that people are coming back now. Um, you know, the COVID lockdown is not likely to take place again. Um, and this is a very defensive business with earnings that grow year in, year out. Um, doesn't matter if we have a recession or not, earnings will grow. Uh, and has, you know, very strong asset backing. Um, so, yeah, so to me, I couldn't, you know, I'd put my mother's, mother's money in this. Okay. <laughs> Another company that has been, been uh, made an offer an acquisition is Tyro, and, and you hold Tyro, don't you? Did you think the offer was was far too low for the company and was opportunistic? Look, the uh, the the, um, the offer definitely is uh, opportunistic because if you look at what the share price has done uh, in the few months leading up to that, um, look, I think it's um, you know. I do believe there will be further bidding bidder coming through um, because it is um, you know it is a business with lots of uh, a very very big scale um, and that there is easily for them to bolt on to so many um, whether it's larger businesses or even bolt on to similar sort of businesses it can add a lot of scale immediately um, and to me this um, you know you, you you'll probably have a few coming through later on. Yeah, let's go to another uh, tech company, um, Megaport. What, what's your view on Megaport? 
Uh, look, I like Megaport. Megaport, NextDC, I like both of them. Um, I do think those are the businesses that is really you buy them for the future. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the digital the transformation of our you know digital economy uh, means those businesses are um, you know I know some people don't like to hear it but they are like the Telstra of the future um, but you know not as boring the sort of you know the future infrastructure yeah. um, for our telecommunication and everything else um, this business is growing really fast um, had a pretty good result more recently um, it is a growth business um, you know it will cash flow actually it's almost it's it's pretty much cash flow break even um, but for this business it's about you know, grabbing all that growth, um, and they're already the market leader globally um, for you know such a small business. It's just got incredible growth path, um, and I do think this company is probably something that will get taken out by any um, large player. Yeah, uh, A2 Milk was you know a company that you've watched over the years. Things are starting to improve for the company. Where, where do you think this company share price is going over the next year? Uh, look, I feel like we're going through my portfolio at the moment. Um, and uh, look, it's definitely we are. going higher. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, we're, we're going. It's definitely going higher. Um, this company, again, um, earnings being trashed, you know, gone through such a tough time. And finally, uh, things are turning around for them. There's green shoots co uh, coming through, uh, pricing stable, um, and they're gaining share in China. Balance sheet super strong with net cash position, a few hundred million net cash position. Uh, U.S. doing a little bit better. Unfortunately, they didn't get the U.S. temporary um, license. But look, that temporary license is uh, is not going to, wasn't ever going to generate much return anyway. Um, and uh, that market is going to become incredibly competitive. So. You know, look, it's um, their focus is in Asia and just focus on Asia. Um, I think share price going higher, earnings going to grow, um, so double digits um, for what is a very defensive earning. China's going through reopening um, sort of of its economy slowly, um, but anything is really upside for this company. Okay, this is the last piece of speculation. Um, have you thought, I know you think about everything that could affect the share price, have you thought, Labor might improve the relationship with Beijing and that could increase the number of Chinese tourists coming here. And more Chinese tourists coming here would be good for A2 uh, Milk's share price, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely, because that Daigo channel is a channel that hasn't actually recovered. Yeah. Um, so the Daigo channel, I the student that come and buy all the stuff, clear the, uh, our supermarket and take it back with them. Um, that hasn't recovered and that is going to a big channel in the next 12 to 18 months. Improvement in relationship, absolutely. I do think um, as long as they're talking, um, there's hope that things will get better. Um, it's not just A2, Treasury wine, which we like, I think will be, look, if any, at any point um, the uh, the tariff gets reversed, um, you know, Treasury wine's uh, share price will, 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 be, will be up in the, in the double digits. So, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of company to benefit and we're just hoping that um, their relationship continue to improve. There might be a triple A story there. Anthony Albanese AA with A2 Milk. That could be a very interesting story. Jim Bailu, thanks right. for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you for having me. Jim Bailu from Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund. Well, we've heard from the big end of town, REA Group, and what they think is going to happen to house prices. Let's go to the small end of town, the coalface, and see what's happening there with Michelle May of Michelle May Buyers Agent. Michelle, good to see you. 
Aye. What's it like for people trying to buy a home at the moment? Well, actually, it's been the most favourable time since quite a few years, actually, because um, there's much less competition on the ground. Um, a lot of buyers have actually left the market since the beginning of the year when the interest rates started creeping up. Um, as per usual, you know, they just want to wait and see what happens. Maybe the prices are dropping 30% or more, um, as was recorded in the media. Uh, therefore, those buyers that are still committed to purchasing um, are having much less competition, and, and that's always a good thing. What, what do you think about the 30% call? <laughs> well, look, I mean, headline sell papers, right? Um, we saw that at the beginning of COVID. Um, that obviously did not happen. Quite the opposite happened. Um, prices have dropped in certain parts of the market. I always say that there's no such thing as one market there, or, you know, even Sydney um, has a very different market to, to, to Melbourne, for example, but also within Sydney, there are all these different micro markets. And then you have to look at what it is you're trying to buy. Is it an apartment or a house? High density apartment living has become much less attractive and there's lots of opportunities there if that's what you're looking for, um, you know, simply because there is a higher amount of supply. If you're looking at inner city three, four bedroom family homes with off street parking um, that have a great floor plan and have no renovations needed to be done, they have not dropped, certainly not the 30 percent, uh, if even 10 percent. So mm. um, you really need to dissect and analyze the market much further uh, to be able to understand um, yeah. and, and uh, you know, what the value of the property really is. And, and to be, um, I guess, accurate. When the market was um, really rolling with no interest rate rises around, many mm -hmm. houses were selling over their reserve. So if the reserve was what was perceived as being you know, a fair price, even in the mind of the seller, um, you, you re we really should be benchmarking off what that reserve price was rather than the over-the-top prices that were paid when the market was supersonically excited. Yeah, absolutely. I think there were a lot of sales happening. People were panic buying almost, but I could see going to auction, you know, when you have 20 plus registered parties at an auction, you know, emotion sometimes takes over. Money was very cheap um, and people were just, you know, like I said, panic buying and just trying to get their foot on uh, foot on the property ladder. That might also be because, you know, they needed to vacate their current property. Maybe they were pregnant. Maybe they were looking for that sea change that, you know, was driven by COVID uh, situation. So, yeah, I do think it's important to look at the reserve, but then also the vendor's motivations, you know, um, need to be taken into consideration as well. I do find that looking at our pricing research that we were doing for our clients uh, based on comparable sales in the area um, in the suburb, um, we were finding that, you know, the results were, were really typically sometimes 20, 30% over what we thought it was worth. Now we are buying well within the price research uh, that we are doing. So, you know, prices are much more stable now. Uh, so are you saying that even though prices are falling, uh, they're probably coming closer to what you would call fair value for property. 
yeah absolutely yeah that's that's correct so and then depending on the vendor motivation you know are they having to sell have they already purchased elsewhere there are more opportunities for buyers to play to play that scenario right mm. um you know at, but at the same time we're also seeing uh properties that that are excellent a-class type of properties you know people are still throwing their offers in if they are ready to purchase and they they recognize that this is a good property there is still competition and so that might still drive prices up but not not to the extent that it was before at all hmm. where, where are the good places to buy now <laughs> you always ask me this um hmm. but um, it's funny because most people want to know that <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Look, I think ultimately um, public transport is a massive, a massive bonus and and really a, a must-have for most buyers. Um, in Sydney, in particular, the the upgrade of the metro line is changing that connectivity to the city a lot. Uh, so I would definitely check out those suburbs that are currently undervalued a little bit further out. Um, that are now getting a much quicker connection to the city. In some cases, you know, even cutting 20 minutes off a train journey. So um, definitely look look into those those suburbs that are slightly adjacent to the hot ones, if you like. Um, so if you take Marrickville, for example, very hot, very trendy. Um, but if you just go south of the Cooks River or slightly to the west, look at Ashfield, for example, that has all the markers to be just as cool as trendy and um uh, but but offering much better value at the moment still than um places like marrickville for example so just look suburb adjacent if you like yeah um it's, it's kind of the ripple effect isn't it i, I can remember as a, as a young person wanting to be in paddington but mm. darlinghurst was far more affordable just got lucky. Yeah. We, we actually we kept we kept looking. We eventually found something in Paddington by by good luck. But Dallinghurst yeah. Dallinghurst became a very good suburb as well. You know, and, and then no one would have believed that Redfern would become a popular suburb. But sure enough, the ripple effect pay, pays dividends, doesn't it? Hundred percent. I mean, we only have to look at what Balmain was like. 30 years ago yeah uh and now it's it's the stomping ground of the well-heeled and you know mm. beautiful suburb people are recognizing the value of the suburb as it is the connectivity to the city proximity to water public transport green mm. space all those things um and they're really transforming um in front of our eyes really i mean even the, the there's been a huge difference in redfern even in a small space of five years Mm. Um, you know, opening up of a new high school uh, adds to those things um, because it makes families want to come back into the city, um, you know, allowing them to benefit from all the, you know, the the attractions and the ease of family life um, that Redfern, places like Redfern can now offer. Um, the impact of people wanting to work from home, have you seen a real estate price effect as a consequence of that yeah absolutely uh and i think that was already evident you know last year the at the beginning um family homes uh, or even you know with with the study um or even apartments with a study nook you know even if it's just a carving out in the hallway where you could put a desk yeah. uh, that uh, means that you don't have to have it in your bedroom or in your living room um it's kind of crazy but yes most certainly there is a difference 
uh, in price and desirability, which ultimately drives price from buyers, um, having that option, um, having potentially even a converted shared. Uh, and that's all down to clever marketing from the agents too, right? Um, it might be a really rackety shed, but if it's if it's got a desk in there and a and a and a, and a chair, um, it's sold as such. Yeah. And what about the Airbnb effect, um, Michelle? I know I, I know people in the country who I know, uh, and they've converted their garage into an Airbnb. Uh, flat or, or cottage mm. um, and they're in a tourism type area is that also making big appeal not only for people who want a stream of income from Airbnb but from the people who want to work from home but want to walk out of their house and go to somewhere but still be on their own property oh absolutely um, and that's you know definitely an attraction uh, if there's multi if there's multiple options within the home to make it work for you I use a bit of creativity absolutely because you know you do want to feel like you've kind of left your house <laughs> at mm. least a little bit during the day to get yourself a cup of coffee and just work away and then close that come end of business day um because I think that was the problem um for employees during COVID as well, right? There was no escaping work as such because it was literally right there in your home. Um, so properties that do have that option either to use it as your home office or Airbnb and being it, um, you know, council permitting, I should say, um, definitely. Those are always, um, and you know, further down the track, they could be a man cave, they could be a children's play area. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. I, I'm going to ask you a conflict of interest question here, uh, Michelle. And you know, okay. I, I know you're going, to, you're going to answer it with the greatest of integrity. But you know, when you get a market that's on the slide, and we don't know how fast house prices are going to slide, but it makes sense. It's going to fall probably 10 to 15%. And that's the kind of numbers mm -hmm. that REA is putting out there, as opposed to those big 20, 25, 30 numbers we've seen. Yeah. If if people are coming to you and saying, yeah, I'm in the I'm in the the market for a house, but I don't have to buy immediately, would you say to that kind of person, well, you know, show up to auctions, go to to open homes, and and keep um, going there until you really find something something that will meet the price expectations that you want, because you might get a pleasant surprise over the next twelve months. Yeah. That is that is absolutely true. Um, and we do have conversations, you know, with buyers for very extended periods of time. So mm. we have clients on our books currently that came to us at the beginning of the year saying, I'm going to wait out these rises and see what that does. And mm. I said, fair enough, you know, just take your time. There's no rush. Um, and that's still happening now. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to, you know, deny that and i think it's it, you know people are very uh price sensitive particularly with the cost of living just getting higher and higher on top of that um i think what is important though is that people if you are pre-approved you do your numbers very carefully so working with a broker you'll take into consideration any interest further interest rate rises as well as the cost of living increases um you are buying for the long term, I should hope, you know, if, if, if the picture is less than five years old, I would consider not buying at all. 
um, no matter what the market is doing. So think of it as a long-term plan. Will the property that you're looking for suit you for that long-term plan as well? Because if you have to move after five years because you've had a gaggle of kids, for example, that's expensive, you know, stamp duty, moving agents, etc. So try and find something that will last you for the longer term. Now, do your research, go to auctions, like we said, talk to agents, um, but understand that if the market hits that bottom, um, you've probably already missed it by the time it's been reported in the press. You will not be the only person coming back into the market, hence competition will increase and prices will probably go back up a little bit again, if not a lot. Um, but it also means that you may not find the right property at that point in time. So ultimately buying the right property at the right price is always the ultimate goal. Um, and if that right property does come along and you are able to secure it for a fair price, you know, and you are able, you're looking to hold it with a long-term view, then buy it when it comes up. Um, you know, because you will have further dips and further falls and further rises in the duration of you owning that property. But if that property suits your needs, it doesn't really matter as long as it's a quality property that will grow or have that capital growth in that period that you own it. Um, so I think there's a lot of things to consider. I don't think it's just about I'm going to wait until that market hits bottom. Um, you know, uh, because it's you, you need to also then find that right property um, okay. and make sure you secure it. You know, it's not just about, yeah, I'll have that one because there'll be other people who want that also. Yeah, good stuff. Michelle, thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. That's Michelle May of Michelle May Buyers Agent. I'm talking to Anne Flaherty of the REA Group. She's a property economist. And I want to get a feel for what's really going on with property prices right now. Anne, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. We keep hearing lots of stories about you know, prices you know, falling. Uh, I think my colleagues in the media even go for more scary terms, tumbling, I think I've seen. Um, and we've seen forecasts of 25 and 30% house price falls. What's happened so far? You're right, there are some very dramatic forecasts out there at the moment. So far, we don't see any indication that property prices are going to fall as far as these headlines suggest. Having said that, we are absolutely seeing prices come down. So, you know, from the time that the Reserve Bank started lifting interest rates, we've seen property prices move down. But to um, put a bit of context, we saw most markets reach their peak around April this year. Um, since that time, property prices in Sydney have fallen by the most, 6% from their peaks, while prices in Melbourne are down 5% from their peaks. If we look at where we were exactly 12 months ago, the combined capital city median prices are actually at the same level. And if we think about where we were back in March 2020, before the Reserve Bank first cut interest rates, prices in capital cities are still 25% higher. Prices in regional areas are 47% higher. So you can see that these price declines that we've seen have come off an extremely high base. We, we see people look at monthly numbers and then multiply them by 12 to give us these numbers. 
Is, is that a legitimate uh, statistical way of forecasting where prices are going to go? No, not really. Look, we, we don't tend to see prices move in a very linear fashion. Um, what we tend to see is that, you know, prices might increase or decrease quite rapidly and then level off. So if we look at what happened over the last month in September, we actually saw the smallest price declines that we, we've seen since prices first started moving downwards. So, you know, those first interest rate rises were a shock to many people, um, you know, if we think about where we were 12 months ago, the Reserve Bank was saying that they weren't going to shift interest rates until, you know, at least 2023, 2024. So the market was dealt a big shock. I think now expectations have sort of caught up with the situation that we're in and we're starting to see, um, I guess, you know, a bit more balance. Okay. Do you think, when you think about it, house prices are a function of demand supply, that's so obvious, not funny. But demand is affected by the headlines in newspapers uh, and, the, and the headlines we're getting right now are where interest rates might go and there are some really big forecasts out there. Uh, and then you've also got um, issues around um, a recession possibly coming and people worrying about losing their jobs. Now, if over time, let's imagine Dr Phil Lowe pulls it off, he contains inflation and he doesn't create recession. That would seem to me to be, would be a, a catalyst for people to go back looking for houses again and would probably put a floor under the house price fall. Is that sensible thinking? I, I think that's very reasonable. You know, what makes property different from a lot of, you know, other, other financial um, products is the fact that people need somewhere to live. And the reality is that over the past decades, we have had an undersupply. Now our population is starting to grow again. People are continue going to looking to buy houses and, and units. And what that means is that there is going to be a flaw. You know, if, if you're out there looking for a property to purchase and there's other competition out there, yes, you are constrained by what a bank will lend you. You are constrained by the deposit you are able to put together but you need to buy somewhere to live or find somewhere to rent. So that means that, you know, if competition out there is sufficient, which we imagine that it will be if we continue to see our population grow, yet supply not keep up, that will put a floor underneath how far property prices can fall. Mm. Will it be an important number for someone like you to look at when the budget is mentioned in, in uh, late October? if the government plans to increase immigration um, to help the labour market, will that simultaneously probably be a good thing to put a floor under the house price fall? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you see populations grow, that increases demand for housing, uh, which supports prices. Uh, even, you know, where we have a, a market downturn, you know, perhaps that means that prices don't fall as quickly as they would. You know, where we have an upturn, it would mean that prices might increase more rapidly. Uh, you know, we, we definitely have a shortage of labour, so I think it's reasonable to assume that we might see an increase in migration. And, you know, this is already having a, a big impact on the rental market. 
So, you know, we're in one of the tightest rental markets that we've seen in many, many years. And as migration continues to increase, as international students continue to come back, that's going to make that market even tighter. Okay, so, you know, looking at, you know, the, the fact that immigration is likely to be on the rise, and the, the first round of immigrants are instant house buyers, but they are renters. Uh, yeah. And, and we know that uh, rents are starting to rise, but I guess the big rises are probably uh, six months ahead when people come off their, their current leases and new leases are negotiated. Are we starting to see investors come into the market on the basis that they believe they will be able to get bigger rewards from uh, a stronger rental market? Yeah, the situation with property investors is quite interesting. So since around 2014, when we started to see more regulations around lending to investors. Yeah. Um, and then since that time, we've had increases in land tax rates for investors. We've actually seen more property investors selling than buying. Now, during the pandemic, this accelerated, um, you know, with moratoriums on rent evictions, many markets seeing rents fall, we actually saw a lot of property investors exit and those properties were purchased by owner occupiers. Um, a lot of them. And what that means is that that total supply, that total pool of rental properties has shrunk. Having said that, now that rents are starting to grow again, that will help to boost confidence for property investors. But then, of course, at the same time, we're seeing interest rates rise. And there's also questions around things like, will there be um, a cap put on uh, rent increases potentially? You know, we hear the Greens in certain states talk about, uh, suggest this is a policy to help protect tenants. Uh, but then, of course, on the flip side of that, you know, while while there are, you know, you can you can you can see certain benefits to to capping rent growth, if that in turn dissuades more property investment, mm. then ultimately that's probably going to have negative consequences for tenants down the line. Yeah. Okay. So, this is the hardest question I've given you so far, but. Given what you're seeing right now, uh, where do you think house prices across the country will fall over the next year or two? What we think is going to happen mm -hmm. is a variation between the states. Now, at a whole of market level, as interest rates rise and we predict them to rise further, <clears throat> we're going to see buyers more constrained in what they can borrow. So all else equal, that's going to push prices down. What we've seen so far and what we're likely to continue to see is that the most expensive markets are going to see the biggest price declines. So Sydney and Melbourne, on average, a buyer needs to borrow more to purchase in those markets. So all else equal, the impact of interest rates is greater. More affordable markets such as Adelaide and Perth have proved more resilient so far and we continue to see them do so. In terms of how far property prices are going to fall from their peak. Uh, you know, our estimate is that at a whole of market level, capital cities are going to fall in the region of five to 10% over the next, um, say, 12 months. Um, but then, of course, we'll, you know, could potentially see greater falls than that in Sydney and Melbourne um, and smaller falls in those more affordable cities. Great stuff. And thanks for joining us. Let's hope you're right. My pleasure. And Florida from REA.
And that's the show for the night. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you on Monday. Don't forget you can go to switchreport.com.au if you want more information about stocks, more in-depth analysis of potential stocks to buy or sell at switchreport.com.au. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. See you on Monday.